Dear listener, it's a great joy that you choose to join me. This is Adventist Already, the voice of hope. Please keep tuned to this station until the end. I'm your presenter, Samuel Mangi. This is your favorite New Life program with interesting segments just for you. Part 1 will be having the Family Life segment by Maureen Kwamboka. Today, she'll talk about parents and children. Thereafter, we'll be having a Bible segment by Brother Steve Rondu. Today's topic is about radical generosity. Here's a song, I Am Following Jesus by Faith for Today. hope that you've been blessed with that lovely song. Thank you for staying tuned. Let us now prepare to listen to Maureen Kwamboka. Karibu Maureen. Hello dear listener. Welcome to today's Family Life program. I'm your presenter, Maureen Komboka, and today we are going to talk about parents and children. Have you ever visited a home where the children order the parents around and parents obey the orders promptly? This may be common nowadays. The old tradition of children obeying their parents has almost been reversed. Although the different religions teach obedience to parents, very few seem to adhere to such teachings. Listen to these verses. Thy Lord I decree that ye worship none save him, and that ye show kindness to parents, if one of them or both of them attain to old age with thee, say not fie unto them, nor repulse them, but speak unto them a gracious word. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord giveth thee. Respect for constitutional authority is emphasized in all religions, and the attitude of obedience is encouraged. This respect is to be shown in the children's relationship with their parents, and as the attitude of respect becomes manifest, the habitual attitude of compliance with just requirements will carry over into other affairs of life. The first lessons of childhood are long remembered. A child is not many days old before it learns to make it once known, and also knows what it must do to get its own way. It continued crime brings the desired result. The child will use that method. If a tantrum is needed that can be supplied, it is remarkable at how early an age a child can outwit its parents 
and it is remarkable how persistent a child can be. If a certain strategy worked once, the child does not seem to forget. It may be denied a dozen times after that, but the child remembers that the strategy worked once and therefore assumes that it may work again. So it persists, often it wins, and this when the child is only a few days old. But if it is true that children learn early to have their own way, it is also true that children learn early to obey. Happy is the parent who has learned to be obedient himself, who can wisely and patiently direct his child from the earliest moment into paths of right and obedience. He saves himself and his child much sorrow and many tears. That which the child could have learned in a few simple lessons, it may later take years and untold agony to learn. How many children have wished that their parents had taken them in hand early and taught them life lessons? Now, after the children are grown, they have terrific struggles to overcome tendency and habits that parents have permitted to develop unrestrained. A few wise words, even the application of the road at the right time and in the right spirit, might have saved years of sorrow and struggle for both parents and children. And it is also to be feared that some will suffer internal loss as the result of neglect to appreciate the importance of teaching the children proper respect for those whom they are to honor. Let children grow up in homes where there is either no authority or a purely arbitrary one, and we get a generation of lawless people who respect no authority outside themselves and have none within themselves. That is pretty much what we find in this generation. There is a revolt against the arbitrary harshness of our grandfathers, and as a result, our generation grew up with little or no discipline. Without discipline, it is impossible to live a well-ordered life, but discipline must be imposed. Someone said so long as we allow our children's guidance to be dominated by sentimental theorists who believe that if a child is justified, it may develop an ambition which will affect its later self-expression. So long as we fail to recognize that discipline is an essential part of human development, just so long will we have an aimless, directionless, smiling of the heart which can result only in mental panic and a thorough disregard for the rights of society. It is time for us to resurrect that standard of discipline which did much to give our forefathers their rugged, stalwart, honesty of purpose, their determination and achievements. We refer to that parental discipline and guidance which did so much to create law-abiding, successful and forward-looking citizens. Too long has that old-fashioned standard been abandoned that nowadays we see immature minds acting out with utter freedom that often result in disastrous actions. The parents who allow any child to run and restrain through life, obeying every selfish impulse, is not only doing a foolish thing, but is doing a manifestly unfair and unkind act to the child. It is not generous for a parent to turn its offspring free from all fetters and allow it to run wild in a world which contains as many jungles of criminality as we have today. It is a common human trait for each generation to consider itself superior to past generations. The ordinary young person has no historical perspective. It does not appreciate the tremendous amount of labor which it has caused to achieve the result of which he reaps the benefit. He takes for granted that the accumulated experience of mankind of which he has become heir could easily have been acquired by himself with no special effort, and that he owes no debt to the past ages. He believes that no one really lived or did much of anything until his generation began to function. In short, life began with him, and he is able to solve problems that have baffled men and nations for generations.
With such an attitude and such an outlook, he is not very likely to honor age or experience. Rather, he is impatient of restraint and contemptuous of authority. If only the old fogies will get out of the way, there might be opportunity for youth and hope for the world. As it is, there is not much chance for a progressive young man, or much hope that things will get much better soon. If only he had a chance, but he hasn't. So youth gets pessimistic. Some children are far from being respectful to their parents. As children, they disobey them, and after they are grown, they neglect them. We have all witnessed the sad sight of parents who are set aside and ignored after they have done all in the power to give their children advantages which they themselves do not have. We have seen children both unthankful and without natural affection. We have seen a mother come to visit a daughter at school, a mother of whom any daughter might be proud, only to have it brought unmistakably to her attention that she is not welcome or wanted, that the daughter is just a little bit ashamed of her mother, perhaps because of her lack of the latest knowledge of what is called modern etiquette, or maybe her dress does not have the latest touch. We have seen a father wait quietly for the arrival home of his boy from university, concerned about the effect university life has had on him. Will he be the same boy that he was when he left home? Has university helped or hurt him? The boy arrives glad to come back, but with notions in his head of things that need changing. The father doesn't say much, but he is watching. The boy feels that he has a larger vision. He has been away. He has seen things. His parents need a little instruction on different matters, and he proceeds to give it to them, perhaps tactfully, perhaps not. But in either case, the parents know. The boy considers them old-fashioned. They are out of style. They are not educated as he is, so he begins to bring them up, and the parents wonder if college is worthwhile. It will be well for the young people to consider what their education has caused the parents. In many cases, it has meant years of toil and deprivation, of sacrifice and going without. It has meant a bent back and gnarled hands, plain clothes and simple food. It has meant the sacrifice of cherished ambitions of their own, a giving up to their plants, a giving up of their plants that the children might have that which their own hearts longed for when they were younger. And when at last the children arrive with their diplomas, it is with mingled fear and pride that the parents watch them. Have their sacrifices, their prayers, their anxiety for the children's welfare been in vain? Do the children really appreciate what has been done for them? Or have they become sort of superior beings? university bred, who are willing to tolerate their parents if they do not make themselves too prominent, if they stay in the background while they strut their attainments for the admiration of others. Shame, everlasting shame, on young men or young women who are not proud of their parents. Shame on any young woman who does not proudly introduce a mother to all the university classmates when mother visits her. True, mother's hands may not be manicured, her wardrobe may be old-fashioned, her finger may be bent, and her step may not be as elastic as it once was. But those dear wrinkled hands are beautiful hands. They worked and toiled to provide for the needs of an ever-growing family. They prepared the food, tidied the house, washed the clothes, and ministered in a thousand ways to loved ones. To honor one's parents, then, means to give respect heed to them and to recognize their years of experience and toil. It means to be humbly proud of them and to obey them in the Lord. 
It means to be truly thankful to them and to show this thankfulness in substantial ways. This brings us to a consideration of another phase of this subject. There is a definite and sacred responsibility resting upon the children to provide for their parents in old age or when they are incapable. To the extent of their ability, the children must see to it that their parents are properly cared for. And this must mean more than merely grudgingly handing to them a meager pittance for their sustenance. The parents have done much for them while they were able. Now it is the children's turn to do something for their parents. All people love to have a place for themselves, some place they can call their own. It may be no more than a room with one of the children, but it must be some place where they can shut the door and be alone when they so desire. This place should be respected, and no undue familiarity should be permitted. Most old people living with children or relatives are somewhat aware of the fact that at times they are in the way. Every effort should be made to make them feel welcome, to assure them that they are wanted and loved, and that they are part of the family. There are times when it is better that they keep to their own room, but ordinarily they should be invited to share in the pleasures and recreations of the home. When visitors come, it is perfectly proper to introduce grandfather or grandmother to them. Nothing must be done to make the old people feel unwanted or in the way. If they are without funds of their own, it is well to give them a small allowance to use as they think best. Let us remember that the family is the most important and fundamental unit in society and government. Respect for parental authority and obedience to parental law are the foundation of all order and organization. As goes the home, so goes the society, the nation, and the world. Let us make our home, society, nation, and the world better by honoring our parents. Thank you for listening. I hope that you have enjoyed that family life segment. This is the New Life program coming to you from Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. Do not forget to send us your thoughts concerning this program. Please write to the producer, Adventist World Radio, PO Box 422-76-00-100, Nairobi, Kenya. Or drop an email at awrnairobi at ek.adventist.org. Let us now hear from Faithful Today with the song, Interceding. Someone to go the extra mile Just like a mother caring for her child A friend who sticks through thick or thin No matter what you've done or where you've been Just like one great big family stronger older brother he will be so quick and ready to defend the younger we cut to the end and is ever See to the father for 
Just like a sheep we've gone astray Struggling this the debt we could not pay Not ever hoping to renew The love and fellowship that we once knew But it began to intercede Again, reach out to man and is ever interceding to the Father for his children. Yes, is ever interceding to the Father for his own through him. You Once again for staying tuned to our station. It is time for the Bible segment. Brother Steve, welcome and bless us with the word. Radical Generosity our key text today shall be Genesis chapter 45, verses 16 to 24. When the news reached Pharaoh's palace that Joseph's brother had come, Pharaoh and all his officials were pleased. Pharaoh said to Joseph, Tell your brothers, Do this, load your animals and return to the land of Canaan, and bring your father and your families back to me. I will give you the best of the land of Egypt, and you can enjoy the fat of the land. He also directed to tell them that do this. Take some cuts from Egypt from your children and your wives and get your father and come. Never mind about your belongings because 
the best of all Egypt will be yours. So the sons of Israel did this. Joseph gave them cuts as Pharaoh had commanded, and he also gave them provisions for their journey. To each of them he gave new clothing, but to Benjamin he gave 300 shekels of silver and five sets of clothes. As this is what he sent to his father, ten donkeys loaded with the best things of Egypt, and ten female donkeys loaded with grain and bread and other provisions for his journey. Then he sent his brothers away, and as they were leaving, he said to them, Don't quarrel on the way. Radical Generosity By an outpouring of radical generosity, Joseph enabled his estranged family to experience restoration and the best of the land of Egypt. Genesis, that is from verse 18, chapter 45. To God's glory, Joseph's willingness to give and to forgive nourishes his family's deepest needs for hope and reconciliation. The fact is that many of us can recall scenarios in which giving has exceeded, in some cases far exceeded, a needed amount. Although the financial situation varies greatly from one church to another, a similar outpouring of liberty, liberality, is not all that unusual today. Especially in situations in which a congregation has been moved by the Spirit with regard to a particular cause. Social philosopher Michael Novak is quick to caution, though, that giving away money is a refined art, that in some cases even more intelligence and hard work are needed to spend it wisely than to earn it in the first place. To shovel it out, the door is easy, to produce the desired effects and to choose the right hand to put in are two far more difficult tasks. While a surplus of giving might be a welcoming problem, in some context a balanced and thoughtful allocation of whatever resources are available is at least as significant as the amount in the port. Defining enough from a personal giving standpoint, particularly when no spectacular or visionary project is involved, presents its own challenges, as evangelical theologian R. Scott Rodin describes. Is enough defined by how much the church needs, or how much the pastor is worth, or how much I am receiving back from the church for my investment, or is enough defined by how much it takes to keep me from feeling guilty? How much I need to improve my tax return or how much it takes to keep the pastor from calling. It is more heinous, guys, enough can be measured by how much it takes to buy me the power I want to have over the church. How much do I want the church to need me? How much do I want to be known as the big giver? Or how much do I want everyone to know just how large my earthly kingdom really is. Still, radical generosity is the domain of Christ's church. Pastor and author Andy Stanley notes that when a Christian reaches his giving threshold, he has options the non-Christian doesn't. The non-Christian must stop 
If he doesn't look out for himself, perhaps no one will. But as a Christian, you don't need to be limited to a threshold of fear and self-preservation. Limits of your generosity aren't prescribed by mere financial principles. And often stepping outside your comfort zone is not careless irresponsibility, but a necessary act of obedience. Think about this. Choose someone close to you whom you trust and ask that person to hold you accountable as you pray about being generous this week. Each day pray that God will show you what, where and how much he wants you to give. And share with your trusted confidant what and when and when you are planning to give. Ask the person to share in your journey to generosity by encouraging you and supporting your efforts. Prayer points. This week, pray each day that God will invigorate your giving, that He will give you pure motives, that He will show you any roadblocks in your path, that He will give you excitement and joy as you explore giving generosity generously. Giving is a gift from heaven. A heart that giveth is a blessed heart. It takes the hand of Lord, our God, to be able to give generously. As we have seen, giving is an act of worship and therefore he who has the heart to worship and the lips of praise will be easy to give. Let us pray that this week and in our future times that God be with us and he make us give us and not just seek us. Let us pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day, Lord, our daily bread. And Father also teach us how to share this daily bread to other people so that those who do not have Lord can also enjoy with us and fellowship together with us and your name shall be glorified. Teach us how to be generous in giving and how to return back what rightly belongs to you and to give even extra above that because Lord, it is an act of worship. I pray that we can become good givers and less seekers. It is in the mighty name of your Son, Jesus Christ, that I pray, trusting and believing. Amen. We are grateful for the time you've accorded us today. Let us meet right here at Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. Do not forget to send us your views or comments to the producer, Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 42276-00100, Nairobi, Kenya. You can also email us at awrnairobi at ek.adventist.org. I've been a presenter, Samuel Mang. Until then, stay safe, stay blessed. Stay.